Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, my dear brother, David Schuster, TYT contributor, Rebel HQ superstar. Top story of the day, the white supremacist that Republicans admire. Nick Fuentes has talked about his admiration now, his love for Adolf Hitler, and there's more, all right? Here's the video. I saw something on Twitter, I don't even know if this is true, but something on Twitter said like, all of Hitler's girlfriends were 16 and 17. And Alex Jones, I, I don't even know if that's true, but if that is, that's probably why Alex Jones called Hitler a pedophile. And it's like, you would be saying the same thing about Hitler. MLK was a rapist and Hitler was a pedophile. It's like, you know what? The world's a little bit more complicated than that, okay? The world's a little, little bit more complicated than you're making it out to be. Hitler was a pedophile and kind of a pagan. It's like, well, he was also really cool. So, you know, time to grow up. We're not, we're not children anymore, am I right? Am I right? Am I right, boys? Am I right? Let's go. He was also really cool. And, and any boy knows that. Anybody who watches these videos where he's rolling down the street and stuff, it's like, this guy's... This guy's awesome. This guy's cool. Yeah, there you go. Nick Fuentes, white supremacist, says, yeah, Hitler was a bad person. Hitler, yes, molested children, uh, but he's really cool, according to Nick Fuentes. Now, I want you to remember who Nick Fuentes is to the GOP. When Donald Trump, let's put up the picture full mask. When Donald Trump announced he was running for president again, it was Nick Fuentes who did not like that Donald Trump was not more, well, racist, that he was not more aggressive in his announcement. And so Fuentes said in real time while watching the Trump presidential announcement speech, he said he doesn't know if he's going to endorse Donald Trump anymore. He said that was about the worst thing he'd ever seen. So what did Donald Trump do? Donald Trump said, "All oh, hell, I have got to make sure the racists are supporting me. 
So Donald Trump did what all racists will do, sit down and have dinner with the racist they would like to like them. Our former President Donald Trump had dinner with Nick Fuentes, an outspoken anti-Semite and racist who is one of the country's most prominent young white supremacists. This was at Mr. Trump's private club in Florida. Advisors to Mr. Trump conceded that on Friday when it happened. Now this was right after the announcement from Donald Trump. I'm drawing some parallels here, okay? Remember when there was obvious hate coming from celebrities? I'm talking about hate against our Jewish brothers and sisters. Remember that? But Nick Fuentes is part of that. He goes against the culture of virtually everybody except white racist people. He really doesn't have much love for white people. He has a lot of love for white racist people. I wonder why is it that Donald Trump has not been canceled for his affiliation with a known white nationalist who is anti-Semitic, who is proudly anti-black, who has made commentary about him being anti-woman, in particular anti-black woman. But no one has canceled Donald Trump for his affiliation with this extremist. Now, who else decided to provide a platform endorsement to Nick Fuentes, the known white supremacist? None other than Georgia Congresswoman and potential Donald Trump vice presidential running mate, Marjorie Taylor Greene, all right? Remember this. Now listen to what Nick Fuentes, the anti-Semitic white nationalist leader of the conference said just before introducing his special guest, Congresswoman Green. And you wanna know the secret, uh, to borrow a phrase from a friend of mine, our secret sauce here, it's these young white men. That's what we call the secret ingredient. America and the world has forgotten about them, but not us. You know, they say about America, they say diversity is our strength, you know. And I look at China and I look at Russia. Who Can we give a round of applause for Russia? Yeah, and then right after that, Marjorie Taylor Greene came on the stage, provided a keynote address at an actual white nationalist conference, not a conservative conference that people say was a white nationalist conference, but an actual white nationalist conference. Now it was held basically the same location, same weekend, yeah, in Florida. Well, that's because all of the white nationalists were at the CPAC convention already. And so they made sure people did not have to you know, book another hotel, all right? But once again, ladies and gentlemen, We are inside of a political reality where individuals like Marjorie Taylor Greene can keynote at a white nationalist rally. And there's no issue within her own party. While a couple of Republicans had something to say, she is still one of the most popular Republicans in the GOP, an effective fundraiser. You have Donald Trump who was so concerned about losing the support of the racist known as Nick Fuentes, that he made sure that he dined with the man in order to gain his support back. Who do you think 
they are going to govern for when elected. Marjorie Taylor Greene has already made her example. Donald Trump did for four damn years. You give this man another opportunity, you could kiss your democracy goodbye. He is not interested in governing for the diversity of America because the people he would prefer to impress are not interested in him doing that. So as long as he continues to kiss the ass of people like Nick Fuentes, please believe this. Your agenda will not only be on the back burner, it won't be on any burner at all. All right, indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. We had a technical issue, my apologies. We have been able to remedy that. Okay, here it comes. Alec Baldwin will be charged with manslaughter, at least according to the new report. Let's put the picture up full mass. You are aware of what happened a couple of years ago on a set. According to the Santa Fe District Attorney, prosecutors plan to charge the actor Alec Baldwin and film uh, Amora Hanna uh, Gutierrez Reed with two different counts of involuntary manslaughter. Now, it's important to understand the distinction. This was connected obviously to the fatal shooting um, on the set of the movie Russ back in 2021, okay? This was cinematographer who was killed, it was a cinematographer who was shot. The second charge involuntary manslaughter in the commission of a lawful act includes a firearms enhancement, which actually carries a mandatory, this is one of those mandatory minimums, a mandatory five year prison term. A jury could only convict on one of those two charges. The shooting occurred on the set during preparations for a scene where Baldwin discharged a live round from a revolver, killing a 42 year old Hutchins. The film's director, Joel Souza, was also wounded, all right? The film's first assistant director, David Halls, has agreed to plead guilty to the charge of negligent use of a deadly weapon. As an assistant director, Halls served as safety coordinator on the set and handed the gun to Mr. Baldwin at the rehearsal, all right? The film production was is being fined in April, New Mexico's Occupational Health and Safety Bureau said the film's producer, producers knew that firearm safety procedures weren't being followed and failed to intervene. In a report, safety inspectors also found that Mr. Halls did not consult with Ms. Gutierrez Reed before handing the gun to Mr. Baldwin, another violation of protocol and safety policy. The Workplace Safety Agency imposed a civil penalty of nearly $137,000, the maximum fine allowed under state law. On the production company behind the film, the company Russ Movie Productions LLC has contested the findings in an administrative proceeding. I'm going to give you some background to this wrongful death case and some of the dynamics associated with the negligence, gross negligence that led to the death of another human being. In October, it was Baldwin himself and the Russ production team. They reached a settlement with the Hutchins family in a wrongful death lawsuit. The party said at the time, the terms of the settlement were not disclosed, they were all private. Baldwin filed a lawsuit against several Russ crew members, including Gutierrez, Reed and Halls. This was in November. The lawsuit alleges 
that the crew members were negligent in their duties to protect the cast and the crew, including giving Baldwin a loaded gun. In response, an attorney said Mr. Baldwin, quote, is the only one responsible for this tragedy. An attorney for Mr. Halls did not comment at the time. Naturally, this is a developing story. This is a developing saga. So my dear brother, David, let's analyze this, okay? The attorney, one of the attorneys at least, says, well, the only person at fault is Baldwin, all right? I actually never saw it that way. I never saw that he was the only person at fault given the chain of custody for the weapon and the fact that you're supposed to have safety protocols when it comes to weapons on set and all those protocols obviously failed. The actor was handed the gun, he assumed it was not a live round inside of the gun, all right? I think that was a fair assumption. But there's a safety dynamic associated with Baldwin that he did not follow and so he's being caught up into this as well, all right? What say you? I'm surprised, frankly. I mean, I'm not surprised, in fact, that the people who essentially assembled the gun or loaded the gun or were responsible initially were charged with negligence. But based on everything that I had seen until this point with uh, with Alec Baldwin, it seemed like he had done all the right things in terms of the apologies, that this was an accident, that he was just sort of you know, pointing it, that he wasn't deliberately pointing it at anybody. In order for there to be a manslaughter charge, though, it sounds like it has to be more than just, well, he was just holding a gun and it accidentally went off. This sounds like he literally, literally pointed it at some people and pulled the trigger and thinking that this would just be some sort of you know fake cartridge or whatever it was. Um, so I, frankly, I'm surprised and this is, a, this is a big deal. I mean, the fact that Alec Baldwin, as you point out, could get jail time out of this. And again, prosecutors generally don't bring cases against celebrities unless they're pretty sure the evidence is very strong, that they've got a good chance of winning in court because celebrities are far more difficult to convict in a trial than just the ordinary citizen. So to me, the, the evidence has gotta be very strong to convince the prosecutors to actually do this. Yeah, and we will update when these charges happen. According to the DA, these charges are coming, all right? Okay, we have an indisputable exclusive. Here it is. Indisputable has the entire background. Let's put up the picture full mass here. The woman who you saw saying racial slurs, being derogatory, and saying, give me my dollar back is still unidentified. This was in Houston. She was a passenger on a Houston bus. She shouted racial slurs at the driver. And this actually happened on Thanksgiving Day, somebody submitted this information to us 
And we started to work on the background of why. Here is Jonathan Gonzalez who filmed the woman you just saw. Gonzalez is an avid weightlifter, was headed home from 24 hour fitness on Thanksgiving day. So he jumped on the Houston Metro southbound 29 bus. Holiday cheer was spoiled when the woman shouted abuses. She claimed the driver was letting black passengers on without paying the fare. That's what she said. Of course, it upset me. I don't even like to say the N word that we use. That's the most derogatory downfall word that's ever been used against us. Of course, I'm going to want to record it. I want to talk about the racial harassment that black people endure. All right. The incident wasn't Gonzalez's first encounter with racism. A white shoplifter once called his co-worker the N-word when he stepped, when he stopped him. Gonzalez said he wishes he could have recorded that incident. People like attention. This isn't about getting attention for myself. This is about bringing it to everyone's attention. Because honestly, if we didn't use the cameras on our phones, the justice system can make up things against us. If there wasn't any video, there wouldn't be any justice for African Americans. I concur. Line 14 of Houston Metro's code of conduct bans disorderly conduct in a public place under the Texas Penal Code. A representative of Metro told indisputable Metro police can cite or suspend riding privileges from two weeks to permanently depending on the severity of the offense. Metro takes matters such as these seriously, they told us. Our operators are public servants who work every day to provide safe, clean, reliable, accessible, and friendly public transportation to our customers. There's more. She continued, the operator filed a report detailing her encounter with the customer. However, the customer left the area shortly after the incident to date. No citation has been issued. So let me now explain why she assumed black people were riding the bus at no cost. So she pays her money, she's on the bus, it's a dollar. Well, others utilize their cell phones to make payment, which is common for that particular bus company. They pay with their cell phone. The white female assumed that black people were getting on the bus for free, even though they were not. This $1 dynamic caused so much rage inside of this one passenger that she engaged in extreme racism and also decided, well, yeah, to say, give me my dollar back. Well, ma'am, you were wrong, all right? Your dollar was actually um, the same dollar as everyone else, just a different methodology of payment. But think about the hate that's inside of a person when they're mad at a black person getting a $1 damn ride. Think about how much hate you must have inside of you to get upset about somebody getting a dollar. No, nobody got a $1 free ride, but even if somebody did, who gets that mad about it? All right, David, thoughts here. 
Well, first of all, um, I think the internet's going to do its job, and we're going to find out who this woman is uh, pretty quickly. Uh, and secondly, I mean, to your point, there are a lot of people who are walking around with a lot of hatred inside of them and who have a lot of anger issues. And unfortunately, it's not just sort of their own anger that affects them, but affects everybody else who's just trying to you know, get to work, do their jobs, drive the bus, work on public transportation, the police who are trying to keep the peace. This becomes a disturbance for, for everybody. So it's again, it's not just that she's racist or that she's got some mentally disturbed problems. The issue is that she's exposing a lot of other people to an to a very unfortunate situation that could put them that could make that could essentially ruin their day. If she was just doing this yeah. at home, fine, that's one thing. But when you're in a closed bus, you're essentially you're you're captive there, and you have no place to go except to have to deal with this. That's right, uh, and this is a reality for young people who ride the bus, um, for those who are part of various groups and uh, naturally uh, advocacy groups. Many of us we will get on the bus first. Uh, when we engage in a particular uh, action in the city of Atlanta. You can't have people like this continue to disrupt the flow of decency, all right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, we'll see, somebody knows who she is. We got more on the other side is indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back, we got a lot of show left. Good to be with you, I'm pressed for time, I will read as many comments as I can, okay. Mickey C, the Silverhead Dragon says, until I saw that video, I didn't know that Nick Fuentes was only 10 years old. Yeah. Uh, Warlock says, so glad society has the widespread capacity to record this garbage. That's the spirit. All right, got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen Wood. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a In Sunday? You're gonna feel free, back off. I'll be damned. Okay, what was this about? According to the narrative associated with the post, this was about getting gas. That the Karen was upset about someone beating her to the gas pump. So she decided to engage in a felony act. And then rolled on the side of the person. This is what you call OG Karen. Gets out of the vehicle, engages in another criminal activity. There is literally another damn gas pump at the same gas station. You don't even have to leave the gas station. Or you could wait a couple of minutes and the person who's currently getting gas will actually leave once the gas is finished pumping. I don't know if the Karen was aware of how pumping gas works. But if you would like to create $1,000 worth of damage to your vehicle and damage to the vehicle in front of you, and also have a felony charge, as well as a possible hit and run charge, so be it. Just seems to be, I don't know, antithetical to the reason why you need a gas. I thought you had to get somewhere. All right, David, insane, but thoughts. 
Well, when I see the gas station is full, and sometimes that's to me like, oh yeah, I need to go into the convenience store because I need to get myself some orange juice and a granola bar and some chocolate, and I take care of business that way. And then by the time I come out, the gas station is empty. But that, of course, requires a little bit of planning and sort of forethought. And maybe we've determined that the Karens at the gas stations aren't capable of complex critical thinking to analyze these situations. There you go. All right. Um- you know, I hope it. I hope the young lady is okay. Who she hit? Uh, here we go. Got something for you. Double dose. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're gonna feel free. Back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. What's your name? It's Jamie. Jamie Lee. If you want to know, baby. Do you go to college? Yeah, I do. What college? Oh, USC, baby. Okay, I'll send this to them. Go ahead, babe. How many followers do you have? I don't give a shit. You racist. No, no, he he literally can't. He literally can't. What did you say? She called me a black. <laughs> if anyone's wondering, she called me a black. <laughs> and I'm ignorant because she's a word and they call me a bitch. We love clout. We love clout. Let's put up disruptive, racist, caring, full masks. She said the N-word like 15, 20 times, okay? She was obviously well aware that she was saying the N-word. Now, we got background information. The Karen, Jamie Scott, claimed to be a student of the University of South Carolina. However, the school has no record of her enrolling according to users online. After the video went viral, The Karens came to her defense, claiming they grew up in the hood. Everyone says it. However, a black man who grew up around this particular Karen claims she called him every racial slur in the book. All right, that is what he said. Really interesting here. Um, Yes, you do have freedom of speech. Yes, you are allowed to legally say the N word. Freedom of speech does not equate to freedom from consequence. Please understand, there are consequences to what you offer publicly. Some people may actually support and praise what you say and whatever sentiment you may express. And others may decide to criticize it, to tell you that's not acceptable, to let you know how inappropriate it is. This has nothing to do with your free speech. As a matter of fact, this has everything to do with everybody's free speech, also those on the other side. Remember. Just as you can submit yours, they can submit theirs, and I can submit mine. And we can all live in this place called America by doing what we do, all right? So you keep coming, Karen, and I will keep banging out these segments. Why? Because this too is protected by freedom of speech. Dear brother, thoughts? Well, there's no right to attend the University of South Carolina. And I'm glad to hear that she was not a student to begin with. And I'm pretty sure she will never be a student at that university or most universities because there are consequences. Yeah, she can say whatever she wants. And maybe she doesn't need to be afraid of the cameras and people recording her. But the fact of the matter is, when you say things that are so um, hateful, 
um, and still sort of a rebound, vile and revolting, there are consequences. Maybe not immediately for you or for your family, but certainly for your prospects and for your future. And again, the internet does not erase things like what Ms. Scott just did. That's right, all right. Um, hopefully somebody knows her and will engage in an intervention, it's definitely time. Ohio cops brutally attack a black female during an arrest. Here's a video. All right, you see this attack, okay, it's about to happen. And it's so gruesome, we literally cannot show the whole thing. All right, I'm going to give you some significant background as to what happened here. All right, very sad. Let's put up the picture full mass. All right, this gives you an illustration of what was happening. These two Butler Township, Ohio cops are now under investigation after a witness recorded the vicious assault during this black woman's arrest. The woman has been identified as Latinka Hancock. Ms. Hancock is pictured there. At the start of this soundless video, Hancock can be seen speaking to the officers as she tries to push them away. A cop on the left, identified by Butler Township Chief of Police John Porter as Tom Zellers, appears to be pointing a stun gun in his right hand at Ms. Hancock. Meanwhile, an officer to the right, identified as Sergeant Todd Stanley, holds her arm and shoulder. At one point, Ms. Hancock appears to wave her hands around, and Stanley punches her in the face multiple times until Ms. Hancock falls back on the hood of the cruiser. The officers then hold Ms. Hancock against the car as Officer Zellers handcuffs her. So what led to the incident? Uh, Ryan Julison, the media contact for Hancock's attorney, told the Daily Beast in a written statement that the incident happened after Ms. Hancock received an incorrect Big Mac order from McDonald's. Julison wrote that Ms. Hancock tried to rectify the situation with restaurant employees who ended up calling the police on her. Per the body cam footage, uh, Hancock told the officer she refused to take a dollar to give me 30 cents after I paid for extra cheese, all right? Minor, obviously. Ms. Hancock said about the disagreement with the McDonald's worker, which prompted the call by workers to police. She got an attitude because I got, because I requested a refund and called the police because she didn't want to give me the money back. According to her attorney, Ms. Hancock was leaving the restaurant. Butler Township Police confronted Ms. Hancock during the incident. She was then punched repeatedly in the head, sending her to the hospital where she was diagnosed with a head injury. Ultimately, Ms. Hancock was charged with failure to provide identification and with resisting arrest. That's according to the local outlet WHIO TV. Let's put a picture of the chief up. Chief Porter said that Stanley, the cop, has now been placed on leave while an investigation is conducted against him for his conduct you just saw. He stated the investigation started due to hate mail and messages received over the incident. He also noted that some of Stanley's days off are part of the leave. 
He also said if improper conduct is found, the findings of the investigation will include a recommendation for discipline. He explained that officers are trained to use force for personal protection. And he showed a diagram of acceptable police responses to civilians. However, he said he would not comment on the appropriateness of the police officer's actions until the entire investigation is complete. Porter said officers were responding to a criminal trespass complaint from the restaurant at the time as Hancock was arrested. He said the officers initially tried to calm her down. Certain incidents you cannot deescalate, Porter said during Wednesday's press conference. And let me say this, you're right, there are certain incidents you may not be able to deescalate. Uh, but there's no criminal. There's no criminal aspect here. If she left the property, according to the report, she was walking away from the property. She was not at the property. She had left the property or was leaving the property. All right. What is the criminal issue here? All right. There's an argument about a Big Mac and cheese and thirty cent. Okay. Two people got into an argument. The restaurant employee called the police. The person leaves. Police come. They make things infinitely worse. Now you may disagree with how Miss Hancock dealt with the situation at McDonald's if you believe the narrative as presented. That's not the issue, that's not the issue. Whatever led to the encounter is not really the issue. Part of it is part of it because there's a question about why would you call the police on somebody due to an argument at McDonald's? Why would you call the cops? Okay, you called them, they come, she's already off the property or at least leaving the property as the report says. The police come and do they engage? in their sworn duty, what is their sworn duty? You see their certificate says they are peace officers. That's what the certificate says when they actually get certified. Peace officers, they bring peace. Did it look as if they were bringing peace to you? It looked to me like they were arresting some mad felony, a mad felon who just could not comply for anything in the world. Punching a woman in the face like that. And then deciding, well, we're going to charge her with um, resisting arrest and a criminal trespass. Remember, none of those charges are felonies. Also, there's a dynamic here which has to be highlighted. They do have a duty to report in Ohio. If one cop sees another cop doing something ridiculous. Those jurisdictions are supposed to report crimes by cops. Nobody reported it. It was a bystander, a person who happened to have a recording device, who saw it, recorded it, and released it. Now there's an investigation, that cop is on leave, at least for now. All right, also the following the press conference, Porter's presser. Let's go to the attorney, Michael Wright. He actually spoke to the media on Ms. Hancock's behalf, calling it, and I quote, an incredibly sad day when my client's life has been upended over a piece of cheese. See, Wright continued by saying, Sergeant Stanley deserves to be fired and charged with assault with his outrageous overreaction. Wright also claimed the officers were looking for a fight rather than looking for de-escalation. And I concur, here's another dynamic. The person who you saw punching the woman, he's a supervisor. Yeah, he's a supervisor. He's a guy in charge of other cops. He's the person that shows you the ropes when you first get hired as a police officer. See, that is the great cultural exchange that's adverse to the policy of the police department. 
All right, David, thoughts here? Well, a couple of things. I sort of wonder if this woman had been a white instead of black, would the police mm. have come on that strong? So that's my first concern. Secondly, um, failure to produce ID, you need to be able to reasonably articulate a reasonable articulable suspicion of what's the underlying crime. Was the underlying yeah. crime that she was out, outraged over a missing piece of cheese? I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. So they probably didn't have justification anyway to ask for her ID. She probably said, no, I'm not gonna give you ID and it escalated there. And yet they're supposed to de-escalate these tensions. And the courts have long held that you cannot use force. You cannot use a taser, you cannot use a gun, you cannot use physical violence force unless you believe the person that you are arresting, unless you believe they are a danger to themselves, to the officers, to anybody else. Was this woman a safety threat to anybody? It didn't look that way. It just looked like maybe she mouthed off, which she's entitled to do under the yep. First Amendment and they didn't like it. You're damn right, you have the right to be a jerk if you choose to. It's a constitutional operation, it's protected by the Constitution. But routinely we see that officers will utilize your own free speech to incarcerate you. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. I'm going to read a few comments before I do that, let me remind everyone. John and old school, all right? Celebrate John's 11th anniversary at TYT by joining him on Old School Monday, January 23rd, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Pacific Time. We'll drop exclusive Dragon Squad merch from Shop TYT during the live show. Members have exclusive access and first dibs on the newest Dragon Squad collection. If you're a member already, thank you. You make this show possible. If you're not a member yet, join us now at tyt.com forward slash join to become part of our Dragon Squad. Join John and tune in 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Pacific. Special old school. All right, I love old school. Love it. Uh, got a lot of comments. I will read as many as I can. Okay. Stop Dragon says, as difficult as that is to watch that attack. We owe it to Ms. Hancock to take that in and allow it to inform our actions moving forward. There you go. Let it be a catalyst for advocacy, all right? That's how you do it. We will continue to watch that story and give it to you as it develops. Obama Raider 12 says beeping machine gun, talking about the Karen who was freely using the N word. All right. Um, an elderly black woman finds a $50 bill and then gets attacked by clerks at a store. Here it is. Okay, so you're looking at the video. This is the surveillance video. It actually shows a woman trying to leave the business. The clerks stop her at the door and it goes down here from there. So sad, let's put up. The picture for mass. Betty Smith. Betty Smith of Austin County wants the people who attacked her inside of a grocery store over a $50 bill arrested. She wants them arrested. On the 15th of January, Ms. Smith had gone to pick up ice cream and a honey bun for her son. Before purchasing her goods, she found a $50 bill on the floor. She did talk to Fox 26, she said, and I quote, I told the cashier, look here, my lucky day. That's what she said, she said, look here, my lucky day. The woman at the counter says, "Oh no, you can't leave with that. 
That might be my friend's money. He was in here earlier. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So she finds the $50 bill. The clerk says, no, that's prob- that probably belongs to my friend who was in the store earlier, who's not here right now, nor do I know if it is his or not. But you can't walk any further. We're gonna stop you right here. There's more. Uh, Ms. Smith says she was the only customer in the, in the store at the time. As she proceeded to check out the clerks who had not let her purchase the desserts, they went to the door and locked me in, says Ms. Smith. The video shows one female clerk ripping the money out of her hand as she tries to get it back. Another female employee and male employee shove and restrain her. I was scared to death, says Smith. She also says the woman used racial slurs while telling her she was not allowed to leave. Her son, who has special needs, was outside in the car during the altercation. Ms. Smith then calls her granddaughter, Cyrus, on a cell phone to help. All right, the granddaughter told Fox 26, and I quote, she was frantic. I rushed out of the shower and put on a robe. They wouldn't let her out. She's a diabetic. I could see where her feet were bothering her, bothering her. The shoes were across from her. I said, y'all have to let her out. They have effectively kidnapped. They have effectively kidnapped a senior citizen. Okay, that's what you see. Now, remember, you cannot allocate the charge of of shoplifting because the store doesn't own the $50. They cannot make claim of ownership of the $50. You have to prove chain of custody for theft. So they can't do that. So literally, there's no justification even under the statute that allows that allows for you to at least impede the progress of somebody moving forward. If you Locks someone into a, in a store, you better have a good damn reason. Let's put it up. Uh, that's when the video shows an Austin County Sheriff's deputy who the family says was called to the uh, called by the store clerks, handcuffed Miss Cyrus. Cyrus's mother even shows up minutes later and is arrested for allegedly assaulting one employee during the altercation. The mother told Fox 26, this incident has put her job in Jeopardy. The family also says, while statements from the clerks were given to the deputy, there were none offered, not an opportunity given to them. The manager of this particular grocery store tells Fox 26, he was not there at the time of the incident and was called by the employees that night, but not until after the deputy responded. He and the owner say they fired all three employees by the next day and apologized to Ms. Smith for the incident. Now keep in mind what has happened. The manager sees what went down. The manager looks at the video, says what the hell is this? Can't treat customers like this. The manager, all due respect, did the right thing, did the right thing. Right now, that is the right thing. What did the cops do? The cops, they come in and they back the play of the criminals. Could it be because of the criminals hue? Make no mistake, 
those clerks engaged in criminal behavior. That is my opinion and I stand by it. All right, so the uh, they offered to help pay, all right, to help pay the money and offered to give me a $50 bill and any support I needed. But I didn't want it, says Smith, a longtime customer of the store. I feel like when things quiet down, the same thing is going to happen to me again. The woman says she doesn't plan on returning to the store. Uh, let's do this, let's put up the picture of the sheriff here, all right? Buck stops with the sheriff, right? That's Sheriff Jack Brandis released the following statement to Fox 26 Wednesday afternoon that read in part. The statements, videos, by the warrant camera video and all evidence collected has been forwarded to the Austin County District Attorney for consideration of potential charges against various individuals. You know, almost sounds like Sheriff is still trying to lock up the black people. One elderly black woman goes to the store to get a honey bun, okay? She's in there, she finds a $50 bill, she doesn't try to hide it. She says, hey, it's my lucky day here. Then she gets attacked, okay? She gets attacked. You know good and damn well those clerks should have been arrested and that store closed down, at least temporarily. It didn't happen. Shows the hand and glove relationship the law enforcement still has people like that. All right, David, thoughts here. Yeah, I agree, the clerk should be charged. And first of all, congratulations to the owner of this business for doing the right thing within 24 hours, looking at the video and saying, I'm not gonna have those people working for me. Because yep. when I first heard the story, my first reaction was, wow, I hope the people in Austin County never go to that convenience store again. Now, I hope that they'll take some issue up with the police because yep. clearly, <laughs> look, I mean, there are so many different ways this could have been could have been handled better. That the clerks could have said, if it really belonged to the friend, hey, you know, we were just missing fifty dollars, and I'm glad you found it. Is there a way we can split it with you? Can we work something out here? As opposed to just attacking the woman and kidnapping her in the store. And the police, likewise, could have come and tried to de-escalate and try to sort things out and figure out, okay, what really happened here? Let's calmly look at the situation, as opposed to sometimes escalating the tensions, which is what it sounds like they did in this particular case. Yeah, and. I definitely understand the sentiment of the grandmother here who says, listen, I'm just done. I don't want the $50. I don't want you to give me anything else. But I will say also to the owner, we appreciate you making a swift decision, firing every single one of them that did this and also trying to make things right with the patron of your establishment. All right. Here it is, an attempted abduction caught right on camera. All right, let's go to a full mask. What you are looking at is a man in a drive-thru attempting to kidnap an employee right through the window, okay? Pulls off, drops material and money, I'm gonna get into that. There's no question in my mind what he was attempting to do. I don't think there'll be a question in yours. Police in Washington state have arrested a suspect in the kidnapping attempt of a barista caught on camera at a drive-through near Seattle. Auburn police said overwhelming support from the community on their lookout call led to the arrest. In the now viral video from January 16th, a man sharply pulls a barista's hands when he hands him change. As the cash falls, he throws a looped zip tie toward the barista in an attempt to drag 
her through the window. The victim fights back and manages to shut the window. The suspect drives off after a brief pause. Police had sought information from the public sharing a close up of a large tattoo on the man's left forearm, visible in the video that appeared to read Chevrolet. Thanks to a number of tips, we were able to locate the suspect at his home in Auburn. The department said Tuesday in a statement, a search of the suspect's truck, they said, linked him to the crime. The name of the suspect will be released once the man is formally charged, according to the police. Colby Crossley, a spokesperson for the department, told local news, local CBS affiliate, that the suspect seemed to have put something, seemed to have put some thought into his plan and that the barista was working alone. Um, I highlight this story because these are the dangers that people deal with who work in restaurant or service related industries. They never know when somebody's plotting against them. That's why security protocols must be not only established but followed. They have to be not only mandated but maintained in order to be effective. Don't think that it did not weigh on the criminal's mind that she was in there by herself. That was part of his calculation. That was part of his calculation. So I highlight this to highlight security protocols and also to show you a scumbag. And as soon as they release all of his information, I'll release it to you. David, thoughts? Well, a couple of things. First of all, I like your point about that she was working alone. She was vulnerable. And those yeah. are the people that we need to be mindful of. And the second point is that this does sound like, therefore, it was premeditated. So I think the crime could be perhaps even more serious than the initial headline here, because if this was something he deliberately planned and he tried to do it knowing that she was alone and he had some sort of plan for how to do this, then he's looking at even more serious crimes being brought against them than the initial blush of this. There you go. All right. We got more on the other side is indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We still have a lot of show left. I'm going to read a few of the viewer comments, kind of press the time, read them as I can. All right, um, Low Crow says, if you witness something like this and don't try to help, you're just as guilty. I'm talking about the woman who was up. Uh, Assaulted because of a $50 bill she found, all right? Um, Locor also says that's terrifying, his actions and his choice in tattoos. Talking about the kidnap um, victim, potential kidnap victim. All right, a young black male receives a $100,000 settlement because he was, yeah, he was physically assaulted by the police. It's called excessive force. Uh, let's go ahead and go to the video. Here it is. Excuse me. How you doing, sir? Good. How about you? What do I mean? What do I mean? What's your name? I'm gonna pat you down real quick, all right? Hey, Dunk. Where? What are you? I'm gonna pat you down real quick. If you got, you're not going handcuffs, if you don't stop. I'm not even doing nothing. Okay. Bro, slow, man. Four fifteen, let me step up. He's running. I dislocated my shoulder. Get on the. 
He's running east through the woods. He's grabbing his back left waistband. You may be asking, well, what crime did the young man commit? None, nothing. Cops found nothing. The young man received a $100,000 payout because of the incompetence, the criminality of that cop. Put up the picture of the young man. This is a screenshot of a move by the cop where he's trying to literally subdue this young person who committed no crime. That's the beginning of it, all right? This was in Durham. The cop, whose name is Michael McGlasson, grabbed the young Tony Scott Jr. after wrongly suspecting the teen of drug possession. Let me say this. There's a lot of commentary that comes after these segments. Some say, some will say, well, he was obviously doing something illegal. He ran, why did he run? I wanna help somebody here. Um, I mentor a lot of young black men. They're afraid, they're authentically, genuinely afraid. They literally believe at times they are going to be set up by the police. Why? Because the police do that. Yeah, it happens. They believe they're going to be beaten up by the police for doing absolutely nothing wrong. Why would they believe that? Because the cops do that, and get away with it. And they do it to a much larger degree than it is ever recorded. So in local communities, these things are happening at a level that would that would that would significantly change your opinion about why a young black male would run from the cops. The city of Durham has now paid out money, $100,000 to be exact, to the Scott family. Last month effectively ended the lawsuit against them. A spokesperson for the city told Atlanta Black Star, this settlement payment to Tony Scott Jr. is not an admission of wrongdoing. The city executes and will perform the settlement agreement solely to avoid the inconvenience, burden and expense of continued litigation. The statement continued, the police did not immediately return request for comment, okay? Now, if you wanna talk about defunding the police, uh, that's how you actually defund the police, by having cops who engage in activity like this, activity antithetical to the policy, activity against the standards of their own industry. Now, the city comes out with spin. Believe me, ladies and gentlemen, if the city could defend this, they would. If for nothing else to make an example. If they could defend it in front of members of a jury or even a judge, they would in order to set an example. They could not defend this, I don't give a damn what they say. Court documents allege that the Durham police, Officer Michael McGlasson responded to a call that someone was selling drugs in the store. So he just assumed it was him. Uh, McGlasson's body camera video captures the moment he enters the store filled with a group of teenagers. He walked towards Scott, who is seen standing at the cash register. He was wearing what appears to be a letterman jacket with his last name stitched on the front. McGlasson asked him 
What are you up to? Before Scott had a chance to reply, the officer said, I'm going to pat you down real quick. Yep. A hesitant Scott says to the officer, I didn't even do nothing. What are you doing? As the officer grabs Scott's arm, he threatens the team by saying, you're going in handcuffs if you don't stop. He started grabbing me harder and harder and got a hold of me and threw me. Scott Jr. recounted during an interview with the News and Observer newspaper. The officer then slammed Scott onto the floor. Police found no drugs, none. Police found no weapons, none, but arrested him anyway. On what? On two felony assault charges. The charges were for assaulting a police officer and assault causing serious bodily injury. To throw somebody around like that, a slim and skinny little boy, he needs counseling. He should not be a police officer, Tony Scott Sr. told WTVD. Scott Jr. told the affiliate, McGlasson did not explain why he wanted to search him. If the police would have come to him in a calm manner and not aggressive, I'm sure none of this would have happened, Scott Sr. said. Um, and he's right, you know, he, he knows. Explain it. But there's this assumption. Keep in mind, when assumptions like this are made, the individual on the other side of the assumption, especially, especially if they are aware of how police can conduct themselves in certain circumstances, if you are posed that question, you already think it's a setup. Especially if you are a young man, you think it's a setup. And hell, it could be sometimes. All right, uh, David, thoughts here. <clears throat> a couple of things. First of all, um, in terms of you need probable cause, right, in order to be able to um, uh, effect a search on somebody. A phone call saying that, well, somebody's doing drugs in the store without providing any sort of description, without providing, you know, any details is not enough then. In most courts, I would imagine, and I've seen before, most courts would not say that's enough in order for a police officer to randomly pick out whoever he wants to pick out and start to do a search. Secondly, there has to be some consent for a search. And if there's a lack of consent, I mean, the officer is still obligated to say, here's why I'm doing this. You can't just say, I'm gonna search you just because you want to. So everything was sort of stacked up here, um, I think in favor of him getting this settlement. Uh, I think the police officer should be fired. Uh, and clearly, as you point out, I mean, the city wouldn't settle unless, you know, unless it was obvious that they were gonna lose in court. So why is on the city to try to save some money? I just think the police department now, the ball's in their court, they need to get rid of this officer. That's right, well said, or, or he will continue to defund the police, yep. right? Anna White, his wife. Got physical with each other on New Year's Eve. That's how they chose to celebrate. Onlookers were stunned at the violent encounter. Happened in a crowded Cabo San Lucas nightclub. Let's show you the video of the altercation. You heard the horror 
from the crowd. They're, they're celebrating. They recognize a celebrity, a real tough guy. Sure, she hit him first. I'd like to point out though, there seemed to be a slight delayed reaction before he slapped her back. To me, it looks like perhaps this is not uncharted territory for Mr. White. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know, okay? UFC President Dana White and Annie White, there they are in happier times. They've been married for 26 years, celebrating Saturday night with friends. Things took a turn shortly after they all welcomed in 2023 at midnight. Surely they wished the altercation would have happened last year. Instead, they're gonna be facing this and this is how they're gonna have to mark 2023. According to eyewitnesses in the club, Dana and Ann, both seemed heavily intoxicated prior to the violence. And the video seems to bear that out because things went from zero to 100 in an instant, seemingly for no reason. Further, we're told the conflict was all over in less than a minute. That from TMZ, we'll get to them. Dana spoke with TMZ directly about the incident. He's a friend of TMZ, you can tell. He admits he and Ann have been drinking heavily, but quickly adds that's no excuse for him getting physical. He told TMZ Sports, you've heard me say for years, there's never ever an excuse for a guy to put his hands on a woman. And now here I am on TMZ talking about it. He says he's embarrassed by this quote horrible incident. And he and Ann have apologized to each other. He says they're good, but their biggest concern now is for their three kids with whom they've already discussed the fight. Dana and I have been married for almost 30 years. This is Ann White speaking to TMZ about the incident. To say this is out of character for him is an understatement. Nothing like this has ever happened before. Unfortunately, we were both drinking too much on New Year's Eve. Things got out of control on both sides. We've talked this through as a family and apologized to each other. I just hope people will respect our privacy for the sake of our kids. Subject of domestic violence involving members of the UFC has been a recurring issue. Imagine that. 2021 UFC legend Chuck Liddell recently arrested, jailed for an alleged domestic violence incident. The most blatant act of domestic violence from a former UFC fighter came from John War Machine Copenhaver. Is this for, I mean, that's War Machine is what he goes by. And this is the most blatant act of domestic violence, March 2017. He's convicted of 29 felony counts after raping and assaulting his ex-girlfriend, Christine McInday, and her lover during an incident. UFC Hall of Famer John Jones arrested in 2021 following an alleged domestic violence incident in Las Vegas against his fiance. Jones claims he never struck his fiance, Jesse Moses. Although the police report from the incident states that she was bloodied and scared to even talk about Jonathan. So both Dana White and Ann White say they've talked this through as a family. This is isolated. She goes on to say it's out of character for him and do respect our privacy, Jessica. It strikes me that what Dana White did here was get out in front of it with friendly media who didn't rake him over the coals like they would some other people. I've seen them do it with certain NFL players, okay, I've seen them do it. 
but this is a friend. Let me help you, Dana. And then the wife who, if you really think about it, the statement's all about protecting her husband. She doesn't really say much about it herself. Hey, he's never done this, blah, blah, blah. I don't know how to feel about her because I do think that when people are in certain circumstances, and I don't know what's going on in their marriage for it to escalate like that. And for an insider to call it, it went from zero to 100. It looked like there's a little buildup, like they were arguing. And again, she hit him first, pause. And then this is Dana White. It's not a fair fight slapping her. What's your take, Jessica? Yeah, we would respect their privacy if this was something that happened in private and they didn't publicly comment on it. And if it wasn't representative of a larger issue in our society, I mean, the predisposition for people who are regularly violent to exhibit violence in the household is very clear. I mean, the stats are there for the UFC, the stats are there for the police. Cops are 15 times more likely to commit domestic abuse abuse than the general population. There's something terrible going on here where it seems the trend follows this direction of women getting more agency in society and then being subject to more violence in the household. I mean, when you're in this role of being the wife to a cop or the wife to someone who is a regular fighter, you understand that what they go and do all day long has to do with violence. I mean, people bringing their work home is a huge problem. But there's also the power dynamic here of women gaining agency and independence in society and also men at home struggling with their identity and what that means for them. And if that means that they should be dominant over their woman physically when it comes to finances, when it comes to politics, it can get violent. And I think that there needs to be a discussion among men about seeking help when you feel violence towards especially your partner. We also know that the statistics show that women are much more likely to be the subject of violence with intimate partners. I mean, what's going on here is a much bigger issue than just Dana White. Yeah, it certainly is. And it's it's horrific to watch, it's horrific to think about. And then the, to prop the children up, our three kids. What else have your children witnessed behind closed doors? What else have they seen with mom and dad? And they know dad's power. And you're absolutely right, because power is not just about his physical strength over her, towering over her. Let Ann White file for divorce tomorrow, if that's what she gets the courage to do. And we'll find out just how isolated an incident it is. We'll find out if Dana White tries to destroy her, hold the purse strings over her head, and even perhaps Take advantage and seek more custody of the children. I mean, maybe I'm speculating going too far down, but this is a story that's already been written with so many others. So many others. What do you think about the statement involving the children? I think to to back the media off. And then if you will, Jessica, comment on the media and TMZ because my it doesn't take much to smell it when Media is being friendly to someone, and you know they wouldn't treat somebody else like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the thing about the kids, 
to even comment on it suggests that that you're on the defensive, right? Please, CPS, don't try and come into this home and see what things are like, or talk to the kids and get a statement from them. To try and say, you know, we're good parents because we've been upfront with them about the fight. I don't know. It doesn't reassure me about anything because the fight itself happened. And then TMZ to give them preferential treatment because Dana White is a friend is just disgusting to give them the opportunity to comment. And I'm sure that the wife was under tremendous pressure to give a favorable comment for several reasons because of the financial aspect. If she's financially dependent on her husband, so many women stay in terrible situations because they don't have a lot of other options financially because it's hard to make it out there on your own not to mention the kids being involved. But let's imagine that that this was a black man and what had happened here. You know, I'm thinking about so many celebrities who have been dragged in the media because something of less severity comes out about something that happened between their relationships. It's just emblematic of the kind of racism in our society, especially in the eyes of the press and the eyes of the media and how these things play out in the treatment of celebrities. Yeah, I'm pretty disgusted with TMZ's portrayal here and their propaganda campaign that they're complicit in and maybe even helped them with it. I don't know how close he is with Harvey Levin, who knows? I don't know if Harvey Levin was involved. I'm just saying TMZ, that's hand in hand, right? Creator, executive producer, the, the whole bit. But I think you're exactly right. When I listen to TMZ in the aftermath of Will Smith's disgusting slap on Chris Rock, on Oscar night, I mean, they they ate off of that for days. And I'm not suggesting that Dana White is Will Smith or Chris Rock, but Dana White has a lot of fans. He has a lot of capital out there, and the way they tackled this story, it's kind of disgusting. Okay, uh, very sad story. We covered it when it first happened. Remember the Army Lieutenant who was treated extremely inappropriately by the police. He ends up taking them to court, all right, rightfully so. He only gets basically a $4,000 judgment. Let me take you back to the incident. Here it is. Keep your hands outside the window. Get out of the car now. Get out of the car. Now. Get out of the car now. Yo, well, guess what? I'm a veteran too. I learned to obey. Get out of the car. Get out of the car now. What's going on? What's going on? You're fixing to ride the lightning, son. Get out of the car now. Get out of the car now. Get out the car. Work with us and we'll talk to you. Get out the car. You received an order. Obey it. I'm honestly afraid to get out. Can I? Yeah, you, you should be. Get out. What? Get out. On. Get out the car. Get out now. I have not committed any crime. You're being stopped by a traffic violation. You're not cooperating at this point right now. You're under arrest. For for, you're being detained, okay? You're being detained for obstruction of justice. Traffic violation. I do not have to get out the vehicle. You haven't even told really? me why I'm being stopped. Really? Get, your get, hands out, get out of the car now. Get out of the car. Get your hands off me. Get out of the car. Get your hands off me. You know what? Get your hands off me. Not a get problem. Hands off me. Back up, Daniel. I I'm actively serving this country, and this is how you're going to treat me. Back up, Daniel. I didn't do anything. Back up. Whoa, hold on. Daniel. What's going on? Hold on. I just watch it. 
Take your seatbelt off and get out of the car. Let's put up screenshot here. All right, just a reminder. This black army lieutenant was pepper sprayed by the police. And the amount awarded is laughable. He was pepper sprayed, struck, handcuffed by the Windsor, Virginia police. US Army Lieutenant Caron Nazario filed a $1 million lawsuit against the cops. However, jury only awarded the lieutenant a total of $3,685 in the lawsuit against the Windsor police officers. Joe Gutierrez and Daniel Crocker left and right respectively. The officers faced four counts, assault, battery, false imprisonment, and illegal search. Gutierrez was ordered to pay $2,685 in damages, no malice under liability for assault. He was cleared of all other charges. Crocker was liable for an illegal search, no malice, however. He was ordered to pay $1,000 in damages. He was cleared of all other charges. Gutierrez was fired by the Windsor Police Department in 2021 for not following department policy during the incident. So the lawyer, Tom Roberts, said in a statement, this is Nazario's lawyer, I said, it was a sad day. And that the verdicts failed to send the message to other police officers that this conduct is unacceptable. It is open season on citizens in Virginia and across the country. Citizens will not rest assured that scenes like this are not repeated with impunity. So look at this. They literally said, yeah, what you did here was wrong. What you did here was wrong. But because we're going to classify it as wrong with no malice, it then basically takes away the statutory impact that a case like this should have, sending a, a, an example of why these things must be respected. I'm talking about your rights. All right, they didn't care that he was in the military. Don't give a damn about him being a lieutenant. All right, they talk about back the blue and they all for the country. Look at what happens when the narrative is here, right? Clearly, clearly the cops did wrong, right? The jury concluded the cops did wrong. Hell, the department concluded the cops did wrong. All right, thoughts, my dear brother. This one is disappointing. This is yeah. beyond disappointing. Um, I think this video, when I first came, when I first put it on Rebel HQ um, almost two years ago, it got more than 11 million views. And then we did yeah. follow up, I got 5 million views. I mean, the country saw how outrageous this was. And clearly, as you said, the police department by firing Gutierrez, they saw how outrageous this was. And so I just, I think this, this doesn't bode well for Windsor, Virginia and its reputation. I don't like to second guess juries, but on the other hand, I think it sends a message that still in America today in 2023, if you are uppity and you don't have the right skin tone and you happen to ask police what's going on and they will tell you and you refuse to obey an unlawful command. Somehow in a lot of people's minds in certain communities, you're the one who's responsible. And I think that shows that we have a total lack of justice still in America because we still have incredible prejudice. That's right, well said.
Well said, dear brother. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. Follow me on Rebel HQ on Facebook or YouTube, on Twitter at David Schuster. But again, go to YouTube or Facebook and search Rebel HQ and our videos will pop up. Always a pleasure, my friend. Looking forward Thanks, to next Dr. time. Thank you, appreciate it. We appreciate you. Remember, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable. Welcome to Indisputable. I'm your host, Dr. Rashad Richard. We got a lot happening today. But what do we do on this show? We tell the truth. You know why we tell the truth? Because the truth is simply indisputable. Rashad, great to be here. Congratulations on the new show. And I gotta let everybody know that Rashad and I go way back. People still need health care, so I won't stop. People still need criminal justice systems reform throughout this country, so I won't stop. And you won't stop either.